The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Hey, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18? And we are going to be continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. And um, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. The Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. That word sanctify means to make us holy. The third, last week we looked at the Holy Spirit who reveals things to us, opens up, gives us revelation. This week we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit who transforms us, the transformer, the Holy Spirit, the transformer. He transforms us. But before I get there, let me just give you a very brief description of the triune God. For so many people, they have incredible difficulty understanding what theologians have termed the Trinity. Let me just say that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. Uh, But what is found in the Bible is the concept of the triune God. Tri means three, un means one, three in one. And the whole concept of the triune God is found in the book of Genesis. As soon as you open up the book of Genesis, it's, it's let us make man in our image. And immediately you have this opening of God being a plurality. And so for so many people, that is so difficult to understand because the Bible is clear. There's only one God. But what we find when we read the Bible, we find that the Father is God. We find that the Son is God. Jesus is God. And then we find the Holy Spirit is God as well. And so our human minds have incredible difficulty understanding, okay, so if the Father is God and Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God, that means there are three gods. Wrong. There's only one God. Okay, so the Father is the Son, and the Son is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God. Wrong, because there are three very distinct personalities. So the Father is a personality, the Son is a personality, the Holy Spirit is a personality. But, but, but how can you have three personalities and only one God? Well, that's the, that's the mystery. That's what makes God unique. And you know what I find fascinating is this. This is what I find fascinating. That this incredible truth that is even difficult for us to understand is in the Bible. And that in itself says to me that it's true. Why does it say it's true? Because if someone was inventing this, they wouldn't be inventing a God that's easy for us to understand. They'd be inventing a God that is is so clearly bigger than man, but still like a man, and and concluding that, that it's understood. But the Bible gives us a God that is much bigger than us and more difficult for us to understand because he lives in another dimension. See, we live in, in the three dimensions of humanity. So just here's, a, here's an illustration for you. So you live in three dimensions. And so you understand what a cube is. 
because you live in three dimensions. So imagine trying to explain to someone who only lived in two dimensions what a cube is. So for us, a cube has got six sides, okay? But when you live in two dimensions, you don't understand six sides. You only understand a square. And so if someone living in a two-dimension looks at a cube, all they see is a square. And you try to say, yeah, but this square has not just got four sides, it's actually got six squares that are combined together to only make one cube. The person living in two dimensions says, I can't understand this because my mind can only grasp two dimensions. This is the same thing with God who lives outside of our dimensions. He just doesn't live in three dimensions. He lives in multiple dimensions. Matter of fact, he's removed out of the universe, can be in and out of the universe. And so when we say that God is in three persons, that is the way the Bible describes it for us. When we get to heaven, we'll fully understand. We were asking these questions this week, and, and, uh, and one of our pastors says, when we get to heaven, will we see three persons or will we see one person? And the answer is, we'll see three persons. We'll see God the Father, we'll see God the Son, we'll see God the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, at the baptism of Jesus, what you had, the voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You have Jesus getting baptized, and then you have the Holy Spirit as a dove descending upon him. You've got three very distinct personalities, but they are all one. And I think if you can imagine three people in, in, in a holy dance together so that they move as one because it's the dancing Godhead. I mean, it, it, you get this concept. is probably a difficult concept for you to manage, but they all work in unity because they are one. Three distinct personalities in one, the Godhead. I don't know if I've made it even harder for you to understand and uh, confused you, but if you haven't been confused, well, let's get into the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, because I want to speak to you about the transforming power of God. This is what it says. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What the scripture is saying is that one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit in our life is that He's at work to transform us. We are being transformed. We are being changed. It's interesting to do a word study of the word transformed because the Greek original language in which the New Test from which the New Testament was translated. The Greek original is a, is a word called metamorpho. And that Greek word metamorpho, we get our English word metamorphosize. To, and, and that whole metamorphosize and metamorphic and, and metamorphosis indicates that a change takes place. A transfiguration takes place. We have metamorphosis in nature, how many of you have ever seen a caterpillar create a cocoon and go to sleep in that cocoon? And then in the next season, that cocoon opens up 
And a metamorphosis takes place because the caterpillar turns into what? Turns into a butterfly. I just find that incredibly fascinating. That's something that started life crawling in the base places of this world gets metamorphosized and becomes a flying creature with amazing colors and beauty. And uh, I, I don't know how many people look at a caterpillar except for boys and go, whoa, that's awesome. But most people that look at a butterfly go, wow, that's awesome. And uh, that word metamorphosize to, to change is the work of the Holy Spirit at work in you to change you from glory to glory. How many of you think that's awesome? So what do we start off as? Well, we start off as a sinner, but God transforms us into a saint. How awesome is that? You are being changed. You are being transfigured by the work of the Holy Spirit from sinner to saint, from away from God to connected from God. You're being transfigured. You're being transformed from someone who was away from God to someone who's connected from God, from being, you know, sometimes people are God haters. Some people are just, well, maybe not a God hater, but definitely unaware of God. And you're being transfigured to being a God lover. How many God lovers do we have here? There's just that whole transfiguration where you become just in love with God. And everything about your life is just wanting to connect with God because you're a God lover. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But what is really clear in this scripture is that the ultimate goal is to change you from being unchristlike to being Christ-like. So the whole goal of God's work in your life, the Holy Spirit's work in your life, is to make you like Jesus, transformed from glory to glory into His image. That's the goal, for you to become like Jesus. How awesome is that? How many of you would like to live with a person that behaves just like Jesus? Would you like that? Well, how would you like, rather than to live with a person that's just like Jesus, to become the person that's just like Jesus. You know, how how many of you are married here? Give me a wave if you're married. That's awesome. How many of you would love your spouse to be just like Jesus? Already is, did somebody say? Was that you saying that, sweetheart? No, it wasn't. It wasn't me. Don't blame me with that one, she said. (laughs) The work of the Holy Spirit And this is what Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, is that before the foundations of the world, God predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So God's goal for you is this transformation to take place where everything about you reflects Jesus. Your whole behavior, just the way you do life, is Christ-like. So he becomes the role model for us. Uh, Let me tell you, there's no greater role model. There's no greater role model than Jesus. He's, He's the role model of all role models. Why is that? Because... I mean, he was altogether lovely. Just, just the way he did life was just so beautiful. The way he treated people was so beautiful. 
The way that he ministered to people was so beautiful. The way that he always was there to just impact people in a positive way is just so beautiful. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that he wants to accomplish in your life is to help you become like Jesus. You say, how do we do that? By just allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life. He, his job is to transform us. He's at work to transform us. Now, let me just say something. I believe in counseling. I believe in using all of the tools that we have available to us. But sometimes what happens is that we can flick from one extreme to another. And so what what can happen is this. If someone has a problem, we can just go to the to the counseling methodologies and say, if you do this, you do this, you do this, then you'll solve your problem. And do you know what? The world without the Holy Spirit, that's their only solution, is that you've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But how blessed are we when we can have both? We can have all of those teachings that certainly help us to do life better. But then we also have the Holy Spirit at work to do that. And so, so I, I find that, uh, that I, I've you know, learned a lot of principles in counseling over the years. And so what happens is if, if two people have an issue, then, then I can immediately go either into my counseling mind and say, hey, listen, what you need to do is understand where the issue is then understand where the needs are and make sure that you reach out to minister to each other's needs. And it's all, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, that whole thing will work because they are proven principles. But what about when we add, hey, listen, not only do you have to do those behavioral changes, but what if you pray for the Holy Spirit to transform you? What if you ask the Holy Spirit to melt away some of your anger? to melt away some of your bitterness, to take away that small-minded mentality that lives life. It's all about me. See, that's a small-minded life. It's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my wants. This is, if you only did what I want you to do, then everything would be cool. How many people go through relationships like that? You know, I would be really happy if you did all that I want you to do. It's called manipulation as well. And so, and so, but the Holy Spirit is at work wanting to transform us and help us to die to self, help us to die to our own desires and wants. So we live this big life and we wake up every day with this whole attitude in life to say, what can I do to bless others? What can I do to change? What can I do? to transform my environment by being transformed on the inside. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Can anybody say amen? How many of you want that work in your life? How many of you want the Holy Spirit to transform you? Why don't we just, why don't we just pray right now? Do you think you can do that? You say, what, have you finished your preaching? No, I haven't. I've still got a little bit more to say. But I think it'd be good if we can just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, to help transform us. Would you just open up the palms of your hands like this? And I just want you to say this. I want you to say this, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Your desire 
is for me to become like Jesus. And that's my desire as well. Will you help me? Will you impact my life in such a way that I might become like Jesus? That's your desire. That's my desire. Transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. How good is that? You know what? my, My prayer is that you don't just pray that prayer this morning and leave it at that. But you pray that prayer every single day. Just pray every single day, Lord, transform me, change me. Next thing I want to do is to, is to share with you the work of the Holy Spirit that enabled the new birth in your life. See, the Holy Spirit's been working in your life even before you were aware of it. Somehow the Holy Spirit got hold of you when, he, when you were unaware. And this is God's grace, what Virginia was talking about, just God's love choosing you. And, and most of you in this room got to a point where the Holy Spirit brought you into the new birth. So John chapter 3, open up to John chapter 3, because John chapter 3 is a fascinating passage of Scripture where there's a discourse between Jesus and uh, a Pharisee called Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews. And so this man comes to Jesus by night, and he says, uh, Rabbi, verse 2 of John chapter 3, We know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so, so this is, so, so what Jesus is saying is this, is that for you to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born of the Holy Spirit. There's got to be some impact of the Holy Spirit upon your life that ushers in a new birth. And Nicodemus was really confused about this and he was saying, hang on here, Um, I was born once, I came out of my mother's womb. Does that mean I need to go back in and come out again? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You got all this wrong. Because that's the first birth. I'm talking about the second birth. That's the birth from water. That's, you know, unless one is born of water. I mean, there's so much stuff on this. But let me just give you incredible clarity. They're talking about two births, natural birth and spiritual birth. And then Jesus actually gives the born of water, which is the natural birth, born of the spirit, which is the spiritual birth. So how many of you know that that one of the signs that the baby is coming is when the waters break? Hello? That's born of water. That's every baby. Every baby is contained in a sack that's called the waters. And when you're ready to come out, the waters burst and you come out. That's the way that it is. I know for children that are here this morning, that might be new news to them. But Go home, ask your parents. They'll explain it all to you, okay? You got it over there? Okay, you got it. Fantastic. All these children are sitting there. Darcy's sitting there saying, what's he talking about, mum? No, she can't understand English very well. That's okay. 
fine. Let's move on. So born of the Spirit is where the Holy Spirit starts working in your life to bring you across the line into this new birth. And so how does the Holy Spirit, it's, it's like a baby being developed in the womb. There's this growth that takes place, but the baby isn't born yet. So there's this pre-conversion experience that starts to take place, this development of the Spirit in the life of a pre-Christian that's at work in the life of a pre-Christian. And it starts with conviction of sin. Everybody say conviction. Can I just say that one of the most beautiful things that can ever happen to a person is conviction of sin. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about guilt and shame. The enemy puts enough guilt and shame upon your life. I'm talking about conviction of sin. One of the great illustrations of conviction of sin is, is the jailer in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, where he cries out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, the whole, the whole connection between conviction is to drive you to God. It's not to drive you away from God, it's to drive you to God. What must I do to be saved? I feel conviction of sins. What's the answer? What's the solution? And so the solution, obviously, is the gospel. The solution is the Holy Spirit then begins to reveal Jesus. So how many of you know that without conviction of sins, you can't be saved? Why is that? Because you don't need a Savior unless there's conviction. It's like, how many of you go to a doctor unless there's some problem in your life? You don't go see a doctor unless there's some sickness, unless there's some issues to do with your health. You stay away. You don't go see a dentist unless there's a toothache or a checkup to do with your teeth. You don't visit a dentist just because, hey, listen, I was going by today and I just thought I'd drop in and see if there's anything we can do for each other today. How many of you do that with dentists? Yeah, come on. Do you know that dentists have the hardest job in the world? Because as soon as they introduce themselves as a dentist, people stop smiling. They don't show their teeth anymore. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. Just, uh, anyway, point, point that I'm making is this, is that you only go to a savior when you understand you need salvation. And so without conviction, there's no need for salvation. There's no understanding of salvation. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction. I love conviction, seriously, because conviction drives you to Jesus. Conviction causes you to start searching for the answer. And the answer is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brings revelation of Jesus. I love this whole passage in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? And so the responses came out, all the different responses. And it's fascinating, if you were to do a survey of your friends and ask your friends, who do you think that Jesus is? You would get a whole bunch of answers. And most of them would be, well, I think he's a good man, and I think he did some good things. But when Jesus asked Peter, when Jesus asked his disciples, okay, so you've told me what others think about me, so who do you think that I am? And then Peter came up, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And all of a sudden, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. See, this had to be a revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this is the work of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that reveals who Jesus is. And, and when we see Jesus in his glory, in his magnificence as the Savior of the world, the information becomes revelation. And so then you can come to the point of salvation. And salvation can only come through two things, repentance and faith. This is where the Holy Spirit, again, brings us to repentance, heartfelt repentance. And repentance is all about not just feeling remorse. That's only part one of repentance. Part two is turning away from sin. See, repentance is doing a 180. It's doing a U-turn. And so a lot of people feel remorse for their sin. A lot of people feel pain for their sin. But repentance is not just feeling pain. Repentance is turning away. It's a Greek word, metamonia, which means to turn around. It means to do a U-turn. So you just can't feel sorry for your sin and think, I'm repenting. It's actually turning away. And then you turn to Christ and you put your faith in Christ. And that's the basis of salvation where we have this confidence that Jesus died for us, paid the penalty for our sins. All that revelation comes to play. It's like, yeah, I know that he died on the cross for my sins. I know that he rose on, from the dead on the third day. See, that, that information has got to become revelation. A lot of people know that. A lot of people have heard the story. But for them, it's just a story. When the Holy Spirit's at work, it becomes, oh, wow, Jesus died, but he died for me. Wow, Jesus shed his blood, but he shed his blood for me. Wow, Jesus rose from the dead, and he's coming back for me. It's like information has to become revelation before the whole thing makes an impact. And you know what I feel sad for? I feel sad for people in churches all over this world where the Holy Spirit is not at work and all they hear week in and week out is information. And so, so the whole thing is religious. The whole thing is just, I was talking to someone this week and he was just saying about his church, he says, they make it hard for us to understand. And I said, are you kidding me? He says, absolutely. They, they, actually, they actually rejoice in making it hard to understand. And I said, you need to come to our church because we rejoice in exactly the opposite. I said, I said, mate, I hate it if people can't understand what I'm saying. And I just want to make it easy for people to understand. And that's part of not just my job, but the work of the Holy Spirit that just brings revelation so that this thing is easy to understand. And then once we've got conviction, revelation, repentance, faith, that Jesus died for us, rose from the dead, and whoever calls upon his name will be saved, then the issue comes where the new birth comes in. And with that new birth, you're ready to get born again. Bang. Can I just say that let's not create premature births in people. And premature births in people is where we force them into a decision before they're ready for a decision. All you got to do is pray the sinner's prayer. You ready to pray the sinner's prayer? Just say this and you're done. And it's like... Okay, so there's, there's a formula. And so if I, and let, let me tell you, over the years, I guarantee there's people here that have just taken hold of the formula and that's all that they want is just the formula. 
It's just the, 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 the secret recipe. So I can say it, then walk away. You know what? That's premature birth. Without the revelation that this thing is for keeps, this thing is forever. It just becomes another formula. I, I know that there's people that have been baptized in this church and, and their whole thinking is, oh, okay, so, so there's, there's a, a particular thing that I can do and that'll wash away my sins and that'll change me forever. And so can I just say to you that we, we love leading people in the sinner's prayer. We love baptizing people. But unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, they just become formulas. They just become rituals. Without the Holy Spirit, those things are just words and they're just getting wet. But with the Holy Spirit, this transformation that takes place, the whole thing connects. The whole thing takes you to another level. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore Him. That's the power of God that's at work. So for me, the Holy Spirit is, is, is the most powerful force in this church. Without the Holy Spirit, this, these would be just words. We'd, we'd be just doing some ritualistic behaviors. But with the Holy Spirit, something happens. There's penetration into the heart and, and hearts of people that takes effect and brings transformation. Let me tell you three things that happens after you're born again. David, you can come forward very quickly. The work of the Holy Spirit after the new birth. See, the new birth is all about this, this line in the sand where you're actually going, just like the baby coming out of the womb. It's coming out of one aspect and going into another. It's coming out of the water and into life. The same with when you get born again, you're actually coming out of darkness and you're coming into light. It's like this, this line in the sand. You're being, you're being ushered by the Holy Spirit into the kingdom of God. You're out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. How awesome is that to be born again? You're, you, you, you've crossed this line from, from death to life. That's what it's being born again. And then when you're into this new life, three things the Holy Spirit does. Number one, He releases us from sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation. Let's read it together. Beautiful scripture in, in, in Romans chapter 8 that talks about the Spirit of God and the, the incredible release that comes. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. You are released from the condemnation of sin and death. You're released from all the guilt and shame. Why is that? Because that was in your past. You've gone through the threshold of the cross. You've gone through the barrier of the blood. That, you've gone through this. If you can see this, it's like, it's, it's, it's like this shower of blessing. It's like this cascading flood of God's grace and God's glory. You've just gone through it and, and you are washed. You come out the other side. You're cleansed 
all of your blackness and darkness and guilt and shame. That's behind you. You've gone through the blood. You've gone through the shower of blessing. That's why in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it talks about the washing of regeneration. You've gone through the false shield of God's grace and God's glory. You cannot be the same. You are transformed. Your past is gone. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. The devil no longer has a hold upon your life. No longer does he have a chain around your neck. No longer is your name written in his book, but your name is written in the book of life. Because I'm telling you, the enemy's got a book of death. You say, where do you get that from? I'm sure that if God's got a book of life, the enemy's got a book of death. And the book of death was where your name was. That's where you were. You were part of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death. But through the blood of Jesus, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you went through the showers of God's cleansing. Your name got written in the book of life. You were destined for heaven. You were destined for God's glory. The Holy Spirit has made you clean. The Holy Spirit has come upon you and cleansed you from from unrighteousness. You're a brand new man, a brand new creation. All things have passed away. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on, if you're going to clap, make sure it's a good one. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, He releases us. He renews us. Makes us brand new. This whole regeneration. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 talks about the washing of regeneration and the new renewing. That word regeneration has the word Genesis in it. It says a new beginning. A new beginning. How awesome it is to have a new beginning. A new beginning. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 